Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Wise Birth Radio that I have recorded. Just confused myself there for a second. I was like, wait, this is not the first episode. The first episode that I've recorded while walking outside in quite a while. It is December, mid-December. By the time you're listening to this, probably later. Um, But it's a beautiful day outside. I have a t-shirt and a scarf and two skirts. I've decided that this is going to be my thing this winter because I'm over pants and leggings. So if it gets cold, I'll just put on a second skirt on top of my first skirt. Um, Anyways, then I could probably use some long sleeves, but I'm okay. It's beautiful and sunny and surprising, but I'm going to choose to enjoy it. So, what is new? Olin and I are just sort of coming through the other side of a portal of being unwell, however you want to put that. This whole past couple weeks has been super intense. I told my partner that it was a whomper. It whomped me. I don't know if that's a real word. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot that had to do with water. Um, uh, My partner was renovating our bathroom, so we didn't have, wow, just as a lot to do with water, I walk over a little stream. I don't know if you can hear that or not. Um, Renovating our bathroom, so we had neither toilet nor shower um, for the past week. We've had to walk to the neighboring house, which was fine until the neighboring house lost water pressure. Um, And then in order to fix that, the neighboring house had no water for a day. And then after that was fixed, our apartment had no hot water for a day. So it was a big pile up of laundry and dishes and stress. Um, And this was after Olin and I were sick, so we didn't sleep very much. He woke me up every hour or so most nights after three in the morning. Yeah, that's you, buddy. Um, And then I got my moon. So it was kind of just a big, big old pile of mildly difficult things that put together sort of showed me my capacity and where I could let myself go if it felt like too much and how I could decide that, you know, this feels difficult and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get stressed about it. I'm not gonna get upset about it. And some days I forgot that I could make that decision and I was just grumpy and cranky and like, oh my God, everything's falling apart. Um, Yeah, I just walked up a hill. It definitely felt like a really big cleaning for both of us. I've heard before often parents of little kids say that after their kid gets a fever, something changes or something develops, like a new skill, a new word, a new next step of growth. Um, And it feels to me like 
I don't know in all cases, but in this case, it felt like he needed to kind of clear some old patterns, some old, whatever you want to say, neural pathways to allow for new connections to be made. Um, and I feel like the same is happening for me with this sickness, this moon in alignment with the new moon, I want to say in Sagittarius. It felt like a big opportunity to shed things. And there's people walking on the road and I don't want to podcast next to them, so I'll turn around. And I'm not totally sure what those are. Like, I don't have a clear list or I'm not fully conscious of what it is. But it feels like things were shaken loose, shaken up. And now I have to do the work to kind of move them out of my body um, and not go back into the same patterns. And one of these things that's definitely a big one for me right now, um, and I had a dream about it, well, you know, one of the, when you're sort of sick and you're half sleeping, <laughs> half dreaming, half awake and just processing things, um, about this sort of mental block or belief system that I'm working on changing. Um, and it was around sort of my, not totally my worth, but at the base of it, that's, that's the conflict that was coming up. Um, so as you may or may not have heard, Sarah and I are pulling together this birth education course. We're not pulling it together, we are creating it. And we're pretty close to being done. It's taken a lot of work. It's like 15 hours of video content plus podcast episodes and PDF resources and guides and all kinds of stuff. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I feel really scared to launch it. So the plan is we're going to have it finished um, in a month or so and then open it for people to sign up around the spring equinox. And I feel really scared, honestly, <laughs> that either I won't have the skills to market it or just that no one will be interested and no one will sign up and I will have done a lot of work for nothing and it's a reflection on my own worth as a human. I'm not saying that it is. These are the stories or the patterns that are playing in my mind. Um, and why even finish it if no one's going to appreciate it? Or if I don't have the skills or the charisma or the Instagram following to get this out there in the way that I would like to. So these are the stories that are not helping me in this case at all. Um, and just having some, I don't even, I don't know if I have a mental solution. I guess I could kind of apply sort of a framework that Sarah and I talked about. I don't know if this wind is making things horrible for you. Ooh, got windy. Maybe I'll try to cover up the microphone like this. Um, so there's this tool, I guess you could call it, that Sarah and I were talking about in one of the videos um, on processing or working with fears around birth. And it's pretty simple. Basically, whatever it is that you're afraid of, you just go deep into it and say, yeah, so what if? Like coming to grips with the real reality of the situation, because a lot of our fears are based on things that are not true around situations that could be true, if that makes sense. 
So in this case, I am afraid that no one will buy our course and it will be a reflection on my worth. So what if no one buys my course? Then I got to spend a lot of time with Sarah putting together an amazing resource that we can share with pregnant friends. Or I can dedicate more time and energy to really learning about how to market things and put more effort into getting the word out there. Or it can be an offering that's just sitting there on the back burner and maybe one day something will shift or I will hack the algorithm or whatever and it will become all of a sudden uh, something that people are more interested in or more people will know about us maybe. But in none of these what ifs or then what's is there any mention of this having having anything to do with what I'm worth as a human anything to do with my um, sorry I just dropped a car well Olin dropped a car it doesn't mean anything about me is I guess what I'm trying to say so trying to separate those two things for myself and I think the sort of two-part strategy that I'm going with here is one, like move that story out of my body. And when I think of where that lives, it's definitely really heavy on my shoulders, it's sort of like a, a breastplate or like armor, a chest piece or something, sort of weighing down my shoulders and on my heart. So just working with that, moving that energy, moving it out of my body. And then the second part of it, I guess, would be to bring in what I really believe is true and what I really want to be true. And so I'm going to stop talking about and thinking about these stories that I'm trying to release and instead focus on and create the reality of the direction I want this to go in and say, I know that we have created something really awesome. And I know that it will be beneficial for so many women. And I know, this is even hard for me to say, I know that we can get the word out there and people will be interested and people will think that it's worth paying for. And we will both make money from this course and we will reach women and connect with women and create a community around diving really deep into these topics around pregnancy and birth. That was really hard to say, but I'm just going to keep saying things like that and sort of replace this story that's melting away, chipping away, slowly, slowly eroding. Oh, it feels so slow. And sort of build up this, this other story of the way that I want the world to be underneath it so that when the old story is ready to let go, I have a beautiful vision to replace it with. So that's kind of the plan. That was my very long what's going on right now. Oh, the other thing that's going on right now is that Sarah had her baby. She's currently like three weeks postpartum, so by the time you hear this episode, she will be probably finishing out her sacred window, six weeks. 
Um, and I have just been having so much fun cooking for her. We've created this whole schedule with community members and friends where she basically has someone coming to her house every day to help her with whatever she needs, heat up tea, bring her food, make sitz baths and steams, give her a massage, whatever it is that would feel nourishing for her. And then there's another person every day who's bringing her food. Um, and I've been doing each of those roles once a week and it's just been so lovely. I love making postpartum food. It's just, it brings me so much joy to know what I'm nourishing. I mean, I like cooking for people in general. I like cooking for other people way more than I like cooking for myself. But especially like knowing the foundation that this is setting for her and for this babe and just feeling that delicious, gooey, postpartum cocoon while I'm cooking for her. I just, I love it. <laughs> and it definitely inspires me to bring some of that energy back into my own life. Not that I need to be, you know, inside, on the bed, in the bed, around the bed for the next two weeks or, you know, I don't need to adhere to any of the postpartum principles necessarily, but just remembering that essence, that sort of nectar of the postpartum time, of letting things be slow, of letting things be juicy. I'm imagining the difference of like, maybe my regular life is pouring simple syrup and this postpartum time is like pouring out honey. And it's just so, I don't think there's even words. I just love it. So, that's what's up for me. I wonder how these two things are related. Something for me to meditate on. How this honey nectar of the postpartum time, how that can relate to me changing the story around this business, around my worth, around my work in the world. I think there's some connection there, something worth exploring. But not right now, because this has already been quite the introduction. So, that's what's new with me. Sarah has four children. I have an almost two-year-old. What? And everything is crumbling and being rebuilt at the same time. And it's beautiful and it's difficult. So, on to our topic for the day. I was thinking about this recently, and it's definitely even more on my heart after hearing Sarah's birth story, which probably has already been published as a podcast episode, and you should listen to it because it's so simple and so beautiful and so just like straightforward and almost boring. And in that, there is such depth and profundity. Anyways, listen to that story. The topic that is on my heart today to share about is why I would like to hire a midwife with my next birth. I'm not pregnant, but I think all the time about what I'm gonna do differently, what I'm gonna do the same, what I would like to call in or to cultivate in future pregnancies, future births, future postpartums. So, I've talked a lot, particularly in relation to my own experience, but also just in more general terms about the ways in which midwives practice 
sometimes, and none of the things that I'm going to say in this episode should be always or nevers. There's always nuance, there's always gray, there's always a whole scale of ways to practice, ways to think, ways to be. And that's perfect because there are women all along that scale and there are midwives all along that scale. So I don't think that there's any midwife that's perfect for any woman and I don't think that, well I guess vice versa doesn't really make sense. Anyways, I've talked a lot about the ways in which midwives are not necessarily practicing in a way that's most supportive to physiology, to undisturbed birth, to a real unfolding of the spiritual and energetic blueprint of pregnancy and of birth. Um, You can hear about the way I felt that was not carried through in my own birth in the stories there. And it's just mentioned here and there because often I think there's this idea of I'm looking for a whatever you want to call it, natural birth, physiological birth, undisturbed birth, whatever you want to name this experience. So I'll hire a midwife and a midwife will allow me to achieve the kind of birth that I want. First of all, nothing outside of yourself can allow you to achieve the kind of birth that you want. And second of all, not all midwives are the same. And I've said this so many times, but it bears repeating because often people will be like, oh, I just hire a midwife. She's going to support me in exactly the way that I want because she's a midwife and that's what they do. And the reality is that like all humans, all midwives are their own people and they all have their own ways of practicing, their own traumas, their own histories, their own training, which will affect the way that they are able to be with you or not. But what I wanted to share today, a sort of a counter to that, because I was thinking, well, I was just trying to answer this question for myself of why do I want a midwife? Because I can think of so many reasons why I don't really need, in quotes, a midwife. I don't necessarily need the education around testing options or nutrition or how birth works or how I need to take care of myself in pregnancy or how to plan for postpartum. I don't need that educational support. I don't feel like I need anyone there at birth to save me, to make things safer, to just allow me to birth at home. That doesn't feel necessary. And at the same time, I don't want someone who's there just like in another room in case of an emergency. I know that often people who are wanting a fairly undisturbed autonomous birth see midwives as sort of like a backup system. I don't want to say often, maybe sometimes. Sort of like this, you know, real quick emergency button. Like in hospitals they have that big red button and a nurse runs in. That, but brought to the home where as long as things are fine, I'll just be doing my own thing in my own space. But if something goes wrong and I need emergency medical assistance, then I'll have someone there to do that. Because, I mean, first of all, depending on what kind of emergency medical assistance is required, a midwife may or may not fit that job description. But second of all, I know, well, I guess there's maybe three, three of alls. Second of all, I highly doubt that that's the way any midwife wants to serve, to be disengaged, 
to be not a part of the experience unless something goes wrong because midwives have so much more to offer than that. And third, I don't like that energetic framework for myself of I'm doing it alone, everything will be fine, unless it's not fine, in which case I have a plan. That just doesn't really feel good to me. So why do I want a midwife? First of all, not just any midwife. I know that I will be very particular with my next birth and I'm putting it out there now that wherever I'm living there will be the perfect midwife who can serve me in the way that I'm looking for and we can create the kind of relationship and dynamic that feels really important to me because there's not a lot of them out there but creating that reality for myself ahead of time Olin keeps throwing his boots out of the stroller. Kind of expected him to be asleep by now. Well, I lost my train of thought. Um, while I'm manifesting things here in this moony state, I'd like to put out there that I would like my next and future children to be good stroller nappers. Because this guy is not. And I would love to just go for a walk quietly with a child who falls asleep. There are a lot of bikers out here on the trail today. Anyways, um, I think where I was was somewhere along the lines of if I don't need a midwife, I don't feel like I need a midwife to, I think that's an important distinction because nobody needs anything in birth, but I don't feel like I need a midwife to do any of the sort of conventional midwife things to order labs, to tell me what tests to do, to administer tests, to listen to the baby's heartbeat, to measure my belly, to tell me what symptoms are abnormal, to give me nutritional counseling, to help me plan for birth or postpartum. That kind of stuff I don't feel like I need support with. And I don't feel like I need anyone to be there for the birth, as in I don't think that it will honestly be any safer with a midwife there. I think that things happen if they happen in birth <laughs> um, and obviously good prenatal care can help prevent some things and good knowledge can help prevent some things and if there is a true emergency, yes there are totally skills that midwives have that can be life-saving and most of the time, almost all of the time, that's not the case. So, I don't feel like I need a midwife to be at the birth to make it safer or to save me or to make it so that I'm allowed to have a home birth. But what I want is someone to hold space. Someone to witness me, someone to listen to me, someone to reflect me, myself, my path, my own power back to me in pregnancy and in birth and in postpartum. So this might sound like doing nothing. This might sound like, oh, just go talk to your friend. Go talk to your mom on the phone. I love my mother. I love talking to her. She's definitely a great sounding board. But there's something very, very different about someone whose life's path it is to walk with women in this way, who has seen so many women traverse this grounds and knows the terrain really well and knows not just like physical 
discomforts and tips and tricks, but who knows the energetic terrain of pregnancy and of birth. And to circle back to the beginning where I started that I said I was, where I started that I said, whatever. When I said at the beginning that I was feeling more inspired about this now after hearing Sarah's birth story, it's because the way that her midwife showed up during her birth was in my mind exactly that. She knew she could feel so deeply. I mean, I don't know, but it sounds like from Sarah's telling of the story that this midwife could just feel so deeply exactly where Sarah was at and exactly what she needed. And Sarah said there was a couple times where like when her son was about to be born, the sensations were really intense and she could feel herself like trying to get away from it. You can see in the video, she sort of stands on her tiptoes and and at that moment, the midwife says, just stay with it. And Sarah said that was exactly what she needed. And she said there were numerous examples of that throughout the labor of times where just in the moment where she was maybe tipping into a bit more of a difficult place or needing that bolstering, the midwife knew that and was right there with exactly the words that she needed to hear. And so in my mind, that is most of the role of the midwife in pregnancy and in birth. To be there to say, I can feel where you're at or I hear where you're at because you're telling me this if it's in pregnancy. And I've seen similar things like this before and I can provide the energy to, that needs to be brought to the situation. And again, oftentimes this might look like nothing. This might look like listening to a pregnant woman speak about what's feeling hard and saying, yeah, I hear that. But there's this deeper energetic work that's being done. And I know that I feel that when holding space for women in any capacity, really, but most recently through leading mother circle, there are times when We've done some exercise or answered some question and it seems pretty, not benign, what's the word I'm looking for? Light, not that provocative. But there's been moments where I've just been able to feel the deeper undercurrents of what's going on under the surface of this, of these moments for these women. And I've been able to then respond in my own energies with exactly what needs to happen. Sometimes it's making a joke out of the moment. Sometimes it's just sitting silently. Sometimes it's offering words of advice or a story. Or there's been a couple times where I'm like, wow, I just feel like I need to, to move right now to shake a little bit because I can feel that in the room. And this, I'm not, I'm not like trying to toot my own horn here or say that I'm special. I think that Everyone can do this, women in particular, in particular are sensitive um, and sensitive to the energy of other mothers and other women and that if this is something we choose to attune to, that it can really become like a superpower. And I think I'm only scratching the surface of it, but I know that when I reach that point, like it feels like things click in and everything just feels perfect. And there's no ego in it at that point because often, you know, as I think most people, I feel nervous sometimes. 
about the things that I have to share or about if people are going to judge me or about if people are going to think I'm too young or too this or too that to be sharing or whatever. But if I'm deeply attuned, deeply present, deeply open and grounded, then that is not a factor anymore. Because it has nothing to do with me, it's... I've never really liked the word channel, I don't really understand it, but I guess maybe that is appropriate to the situation. I feel like I'm not the one working, I'm not the one holding the energy, I'm not the one responding, or even talking sometimes. I'm just, I've gotten myself out of the way for the things that need to happen, for the work that needs to be done. And I imagine that this is the way I hope to be as a midwife. No, I don't imagine that. I know that this is the way that I hope to be as a midwife one day. And I know that these are the skills and the frame of reference and the kind of person that I want to have as my midwife. So we were talking about, this is sort of shifting gears a little bit, but we were talking about Sarah and I sort of mantras for birth. Not like Om Mani Padme home mantras, but words of encouragement or empowerment that people might repeat or might want to have visually somewhere in their space. Um, and there's lists out there. There's cards, there's beautiful art, there's flags, anything you can think of. And I was thinking about what I would want, what personally feels relevant and helpful to me. And the one that came immediately, and honestly the only one that I've thought of in the past couple of months that feels like it would be helpful, that really resonated with me, is just simply, this is a ceremony. And so that is the energy that I would like a midwife to hold. I can know, going into it, that this birth, pregnancy, is a potent ceremony. I can have had discussions with my partner about it and asked for assistance in holding that energy. And, like in many ceremonies, having someone who's not sort of intimately involved be able to hold the space, hold the circle, protect that bubble is a really vital part of the ceremony. And that was something that definitely felt lacking in my birth of Olin, and I totally got lost. I didn't totally get lost, but I wasn't, I wasn't able to tap into that deeper undercurrent of what was happening and the way things were happening and why things were happening. And I think part of that is because, well, obviously part of it was because I just wasn't ready. That wasn't what was meant to be for this birth. And another part of it was that I didn't feel like there was someone who was there who was able to hold that space for me and bring me back to it. And ended up feeling a little, not mundane, but I feel like I've only scratched the surface of what I know, the depths of what I know birth can be. So I don't, hmm, what am I trying to say here? When I imagined giving birth with my first, and I thought of the midwife, 
where she would be, it was as far away as possible. Maybe in another room, maybe in the car in the driveway. And this was because I wasn't able to vision a midwife who was able to hold space in this way that I'm talking about and not feel like she also needed to intervene or listen to the baby's heart or check my blood pressure or talk to me. <laughs> so in my mind, the best option was for her just to be far away and not in the picture. And now, looking forward to future births, I imagine a woman there with me. Not necessarily touching me still, because I don't really like being touched in those kinds of situations, but being there, being in the room, being so present and tuned in and able to offer those words when I feel myself going somewhere else or I feel myself needing support or I feel myself forgetting what's happening. Because by the end of my labor, I had completely forgotten that I was having a baby. And I actually feel really sad about that, that I went for so long in the experience of birth forgetting what I was doing. And I really wish that someone had been there when they had seen that shift to be like, hey, a baby is coming through. You are going to have a baby. Stay with it. So, in pregnancy, I mean in birth, and this sort of extrapolates, is that the word? Into pregnancy as well. I want someone who's able to hold the space. Which, as I've said, sounds like doing nothing, but is really doing so much. And in pregnancy, that space holding will look different. It will look, I imagine, more like offering guidance, perhaps. Or just space for me to guide myself. I find that so often women are like, what do you think I should do? If you're able to refrain from answering and sort of just reflect back to them what you've heard, they have the answers there. I think that's true about... I mean, I know... I think that's just true about humans in general, that... No one else can really give us any answers, but people can reflect back the answers that we already have for ourselves. And if someone does give you an answer that isn't your own answer, it's not going to work. It's not going to feel right. So having someone there in pregnancy, you can be like, hey, what's up? What are you, what's feeling difficult for you right now? What's feeling beautiful for you right now? What things are coming up? that you're feeling like you want to navigate. And yes, those could totally be things like, I'm just so tired of eating. I don't know how to get in any more protein or I'm feeling these certain symptoms and I'm not totally sure what support my body is asking for. But I imagine that because most of the time pregnancy is a perfectly healthy function of the body, that most of the time the things will be more along the lines of energetic support or relational support like hey can you hold space while I transition that's really what it is it's having someone hmm what's a metaphor I don't know what the metaphor is but it's just having someone there so you can unwind and rebuild again and Along with that, I think part of being a midwife is having, you could say, clinical skills. Is being able to recognize what is physiological, what is normal, and what might need some deeper looking into or some support, or what might need emergency transport to the hospital. 
I don't think that midwifery or birth support should look like all the way to one side of the spectrum or the other. Like just this emotional support and no hands-on skills, no medical knowledge. Or the other side of more clinical midwives where they have all the knowledge, they have all the tools, they have all of the education around the way birth works and when birth doesn't work and medications and yada yada, but no sense for how to care for this spiritual evolution. And I think that it can be easy to be sort of stuck in black and white thinking that one of these is good and the other is unnecessary. And in my reality, it's a both and situation. I don't believe that birth is inherently dangerous. I don't believe that I need to be saved from birth. I do believe that sometimes things happen at birth and having someone who is trained to deal with those things to whatever capacity is great. So where am I going with this? I'm imagining why I will want a midwife is mostly to hold space for this transition, to help guide me through this time of birth, this portal really of pregnancy of birth, so that I can remember what it is that I'm doing here. So I can remember the deeper levels of the work and not just get stuck in, oh, what do I need to eat? Oh, I'm feeling so uncomfortable. Sorry, stopping to check my mail. If I can, I can have someone to remind me of the real magic of what's going on. Because that can be, yes, that is something I could do by myself. And that's something that's really nice to have support for, especially in a culture where we don't really have this as a concept. You know, people are never like, oh, how's your pregnancy going? How are you navigating the transition between your maiden self and your motherhood, you know? It's like, no, how's your pregnancy going? Are you experiencing morning sickness? So there isn't this cultural support, which is why it feels so necessary to me to have this more individual specific support in this arena and at the same time I'm not shunning the deep skills and training and knowledge of midwives I'm not saying that I want someone there only for the emotional support only for the spiritual energetic guidance and space holding but I do want to work with someone who if I'm having whatever situation I can say hey can you talk to me more about labs that you might do for this in pregnancy? Or hey, can you talk to me about supplements or herbs that you might suggest for these set of symptoms? Or in birth, like, hey, something feels really not right. Can you please listen to my baby's heart and tell me what, it, you, sound, what you hear, what it sounds like to you? And none of this is black and white and none of this is saying that in that moment, if anything, um, what's the word, goes slightly away from totally normal and physiological that I will just bend to whatever a midwife says. I will absolutely still be making my own decisions and in my own power, but having someone who knows that, who's seen that, who's studied that, also feels important to me. And I think that's something that can get lost in sort of the babies always come out and birth is normal and healthy and everyone should just have a baby by yourself but maybe with some emotional guidance. I think some of this 
nuance can get lost, that the skills, the knowledge of a midwife is helpful and is often overused, over-medicalized, and not in the proper place of power. If that makes sense, I think often midwives and women, totally not saying this is a midwife's fault thing, midwives and women and just we in the culture that we're in have sort of been told that this is the way it goes. That once you're pregnant, you give your power away to someone else because they know more and you don't know. And I don't know where I'm going with this. Honestly, I'm still pretty moony and on another plane. But just, I guess, a reminder, a prayer for balance, for not getting stuck in black and white thinking, for allowing the uncomfortable nuance of situations to come through and to sit in that and to say, I'm not 100% about any of this. I know that things change. <laughs> and at the end of the day, whatever decisions you make will be based on your values, whether that's conscious or not. So I don't know if that answered the question at all of why I would want a midwife. But I think I'll just end by saying that it does feel important that I don't want to give birth alone. I think there's a big romantification, romanticize, what's that word? Romanticization, romant, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say of the free birth situation. And I'm sure that it's perfect for some women. I don't think it's as perfect for as many women as it's being told to. I think a lot of women would do well with the presence of another woman to support her through this, who's walked this path many times, who knows the way, who knows the kind of support that is best to offer. Well, I guess best is sort of a relative term based on the woman. I think what I'm trying to say is that I don't know anything and what's right for me is not right for you. And the way that I want a midwife to practice, to work with, and the way that I want to practice as a midwife does not have to be the same as what you want. And that it's all perfect. So, in conclusion, make your own decision, ditch the dogma, and just allow yourself to feel what it is that you really feel regardless of what your best friend feels, what your mother feels, what your midwife feels, what that birth influencer that you follow who had this most amazing free birth feels, what your OB feels, whatever it is, prioritize yourself. And that can be tricky. And I encourage you to make that a practice of listening to yourself above all else. And I think this goes back to the feeling I was describing when I'm able to be fully present in a circle of women. We can hold that same self, hold that same space for ourselves. So getting our egos out of the way for what we need to be a conduit for the messages, for the words, for the energy, for the healing for ourselves. But we can't do that if we're caught up in 
dogma. All right, I think that's all I have for today. Um, I hope that this is not just a funny Mabel's deep in her bleed ramble and that there were some gems there that felt relevant or helpful or inspiring to you. I'd love to hear what you think about this topic or what you'd like to hear my rambles about, what topics you'd like to hear other rambles about. And I hope that you go for a walk today. Until next time. <laughs>